Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the videocast where we teach you while traveling the world. And on today's episode, we have a very special guest, Ernest. And, uh, you know, he, he's actually a well-known figure in the travel industry. Uh, he has his own website called Ernest White II. He also has a great new TV show called Fly Brother. And he's also uh, one of the editors for Panorama, the Journal of Intelligent Travel. And he's an ethnic minority who travels the world, African-American. And, uh, you know, whenever we uh, have ethnic minorities, I definitely love to feature that part of the travels. Myself, I'm uh, Indian background, my wife's Filipino, and on our travels, we hardly meet other Indians or Filipinos or Chinese or African-Americans. So it's always a great pleasure and a joy to um, you know, interview another minority world traveler, another travel blogger, another passionate um, you know, uh, global explorer. So Ernest, uh, to start off with, why don't we get to know you a little bit better if you want to share a little bit more about yourself? Sure, man, sure. Thank you for having me, Ricky. Uh, I really enjoy watching you travel and, and just, you know, I'm passionate about travel in general, but also, as you said, when people who aren't necessarily, uh, who come from groups that aren't necessarily known for doing the types of traveling as a hobby and, and, and anything beyond going to see friends and family are doing things, I really find that to be encouraging and empowering. So I really appreciate it and, and appreciate the opportunity to talk to you today. Um, I'm actually here at my parents' house in what we call a Florida room, which is a screened-in patio. Uh, I'm originally from Florida, Jacksonville, uh, to be specific. And uh, I started traveling at a, a semi-early age. Uh, when I was 16, I did a study abroad uh, program to Sweden. So I was, uh, talk about being an ethnic minority, I was in the middle of northern Sweden, very close to the Arctic Circle. At 16 years old, this was back in 1994, and uh, yeah, so that's kind of once I did that trip, the I got stung, and it's been a terminal illness ever since travel, and so um, I've been to about 60 countries around the world. I've lived in five. I lived outside of the United States for a decade. I'm still back and forth all the time. Um, I started out as an educator, but I also am a journalist, a writer. Uh, I am moving into broadcasting with radio and television, and uh, who knows where the journey is going to take me next. But uh, either way, I'm very grateful for the opportunity to have the types of uh, adventures and experiences and connections and friends and family that I do have, which has been amazing. So, yeah. Awesome. Uh, what a journey you've been on, you know, everything ever since Sweden when you got the travel bug and then yes. uh, traveling and living in five different cities outside of the United States. Uh, so uh, why didn't you walk us through that? I mean, um, it's one sure. thing to travel, uh, but it's a whole other thing to live and be a part of a culture. So tell us about those five different cities that you've actually lived in. You're right, man. So for a little while in college, uh, I lived in the Dominican Republic, Santo Domingo, and uh, I don't have uh, Latino ancestry, even though many, many people throughout my entire life spoke to me in Spanish, uh, I've got curly hair, and uh, not that you have to have that, but I guess most people assumed uh, that I was from the Caribbean, uh, and I'm not, I'm an English-speaking household, and uh, basically went to the Dominican Republic as a part of the study abroad program for my uh, undergrad university, Florida A&M, and uh, lived there for a little while, loved it, wanted to move there permanently, but uh, the universe had other plans. So that was the first uh, time that I actually lived overseas, aside from the, 
the study abroad I did in high school in Sweden. Um, I also, after graduate school, I uh, went to graduate school in Washington, D.C., majored in creative writing. I moved to Colombia, and I lived there for four years. And the reason I have to say Colombia is because often when I would say I was moving to Colombia, people thought it was South Carolina or Columbia, Maryland, which is just outside of D.C. But I moved to Barranquilla, worked there for a little while, moved to Bogota, worked there for a little while, and then back to Barranquilla. After which I took, uh, after those four years, I took a, a, a round-the-world trip and then ended up moving to Brazil. And I lived in Brasilia for a little while and then moved to Sao Paulo where I became a journalist, uh, working for an English language magazine, Time Out magazine, uh, was an editor there. And uh, afterwards I moved to Berlin part-time, off and on with my former partner. Uh, we were living there together and I tried to make a life in Germany. Uh, got enrolled in a PhD program but uh, sadly decided to separate and extricate myself from Germany and I moved briefly to South Africa where I was living in Cape Town for a little while, one of the world's most beautiful cities. And uh, so yeah, those are the countries that I have a very deep connection to. Um, that's, that's my story. Awesome, uh, you know, and I definitely highly recommend to people not just to travel, to live in a city, for me, I actually, I lived in Tokyo, Japan, uh, where I taught English. Then I lived in London, England, where I did a working holiday. Then I lived in Sydney, Australia, where actually uh, I studied there for three years. Uh, so yeah, I pretty much made my way around a few different continents as well. Uh, and I agree with you and some of your sentiments. Uh, I definitely agree with you about Cape Town. We were just there in February of this year for about two months in South Africa. And we absolutely love Cape Town, one of the most beautiful cities in the world. And I know you're featuring that in your upcoming show. I'm curious to know about uh, your different um, projects you're working on. So, firstly, let's walk us, walk, uh, if you can walk us through uh, the Ernest uh, White II, that's your travel blog. Uh, that's kind of what you've known for over the last few years. If you want to share a little bit of the history there, when did you start it and when did you start it? Certainly. So, I actually have two sites. ErnestWhite2.com is kind of like my storyteller and explorer site um, in the vein of you know, being an author, still unpublished, but being an author and, and a writer and, and someone who uh, does voice work and, 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 and some other projects. And then my blog is flybrother.net. And that blog started in 2009 when I was living in Colombia. And it was just basically an idea to empower and encourage people in general, but mostly African Americans to do more international traveling. It was a combination travel expat blog. So not only did I talk about tips and tricks to get people to, to travel more, but I also gave a little bit of insight into what it was like to be living abroad. Because as you mentioned, it's one thing to travel someplace, it's something else to move there. And uh, so those are the two sites that kind of have been going for a while, at least since 2009. Subsequently, um, I did a little bit of radio work in college, but with the power of podcasting, I got into doing more radio. I had a radio show briefly for a little while, and I was just talked back into doing it again for by some friends who uh, have their own entertainment network called the Industry Entertainment Network. And so I started doing the Fly Brother radio show for them, and then it kind of turned into this television show as well that I'm doing, which is going to appear on the Dream Network, a small but growing network in the United States, which uh, has a viewership worldwide of about 70 million through the online and the broadcast platforms. So it comes on television about 10 cities in the States 
and then the rest of the world can watch it on Roku and some of these other streaming sites. So what started out as just kind of like a, I guess you could say a chronicle of my life living abroad has now turned into major advocacy work <laughs> in terms of trying to get people to do more traveling and to become citizens of the world. I mean, that's the only way that we're going to combat a lot of the negativity that's coming out of presidential palaces all over the world. You know, it's this the connection. And that's what I believe travel is all about, connecting with yourself and others. I definitely echo, echo your sentiments all about connecting with yourself, others, and of course the world that we all yep. live in. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, Ernest, uh, tell us about um, Panorama. So it's called the Journal of Intelligent Travel. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the, the journal itself. I, I hadn't heard of it before I connected with you. Uh, tell us a little bit about how you got involved with that project. Oh, uh, so basically, I, you know, when you work in travel, uh, when you're a writer, you end up knowing many different people that are on different journeys, but they intersect at various times. And uh, one of my very good friends, she is a well-known writer, Amy Gigi Alexander. Uh, she writes from a very literary perspective and standpoint, and she also, uh, she travels quite a bit. She's on the road a lot. And um, she decided that, you know, she felt called to start a journal that has kind of exacting standards when it comes to the types of writing that's published, but she also wanted to make sure that the voices of people who heretofore have gone unheard are given a mouthpiece. And so she intentionally looks for people all over the world of different backgrounds, origins, sexualities, genders, experiences, and everything else, and put together Panorama, the Journal of Intelligent Travel, which is essentially a digital literary magazine with a focus on travel and culture. However, I think we're in the process of having a few print editions come out every year. And uh, like most things, especially nowadays, it starts off as one thing and becomes something much bigger and much greater. And the mission, again, is to make sure people's voices are heard and stories are being told. So that's kind of what Panorama is all about. I was brought on initially as just a contributing writer, but I have since been uh, promoted to one of the nonfiction editors, which is a joy and a privilege to be able to read work and to help polish stories which are already amazing, you know, just a little bit more and have them shine just a little bit brighter. Awesome, awesome. Uh, you know, it's been great to uh, cover some of the different projects you're involved in. I know uh, one of your big projects is actually uh, the new one, uh, all about uh, traveling around the world and documenting for on a video. And I think that's a dream of a lot of us travel bloggers yes. to have our own show. I mean, uh, I have my own YouTube channel, and that's kind of a mini show. But ha to have it broadcast, you know, nationwide and also internationally, all out of the ball game. So good on you uh, for Thank creating you. this uh, international TV show. Uh, so why didn't you uh, tell us a little bit about the origin story there? I'd love to do a deeper dive into the TV sure. show. Sure, no problem, man. So uh, when it comes to me in television, this is not my first foray, I'll say that. Um, because I had this blog and because I was getting a little bit of media coverage um, in the United States, you know, as you mentioned before, there aren't very many high-profile people of color who are in the travel industry as writers or producers of content and that kind of thing. And it's growing, obviously, technology has a lot to do with that. But 
uh, when I first started, there were only a, a handful of us. And so because of that, I had been um, featured in Ebony Magazine and a few other publications. And from there, uh, I, was reach uh, I was contacted by some folks at the Travel Channel. They were putting together a television show called Destination Showdown. I went through the casting process and was uh, selected to be one of the talking heads where we compared different cities, uh, mostly in the United States and North America. And uh, we talked about things to do and, and places to stay and that kind of thing. And it was fun. We had a good time. We didn't go anywhere, but it was filmed in the studio with the blue screen behind us, green screen. But um, that was shown on the Travel Channel. I think they still show reruns. Uh, it's in syndication. And then also another show called Jamaica Beard. So I did have that experience. And I also had a very brief part in a documentary based on uh, talking about the um, evils of mass tourism and it's called gringo trails so those were the things that i had done up to now the television show that i'm putting together fly brother kind of came about because there are people who throughout my life have told me man you need to have a television show we love the way you travel we want to see more photos we want to see more images blah 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 and i'm like no man i write literature you know, I went to graduate school for creative writing. I'm all about the writing. And folks are like, uh, yeah, no, not trying to hear it. So uh, two people that you may know you've already had on the show, Kerwin, um, oh gosh, I forgot Kerwin's last name, goodness. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. McKenzie. Sorry, what is it? Uh, so uh, Kerwin McKenzie and Eric Prince. Yes, Kerwin McKenzie and Eric Prince. Kerwin, don't kill me, my man. We just talked earlier today. Sorry, <laughs> the pressure. So Kerwin and Eric Prince, uh, two guys who are killing it in travel circles, have done so for many years. We just happened to be together along with another guy who's killing it, um, Travis Levius. Uh, MrLevius.com, if you haven't heard of him. We were all together at WTM, the World Travel Market, in London. And uh, they were like, man, you need to be on TV. We're going to make it happen. And just they're speaking that into existence. A few months later, I ended up connecting with a friend of mine who lives in Brazil, who is a documentarian, Pedro Serra. He's amazing. And we had worked on a, a, a film project a few years ago with, another, with a mutual friend. Um, but we just talked about, you know, maybe one day we can get a travel show going. Well, things lined up. Other people were willing to put money where their mouths were and were like, if you get this started, we can give you some seed capital. And it was just a combination of organizing things, talking to people and making and reaching out to tourism bureaus and, and other sources of support. Even if it wasn't financial, they were definitely able to give us, you know, services. And we ended up getting tickets from our sponsor, Norwegian Air, from South African Airways, uh, a few hotels signed on. And it just kind of started snowballing from there. So once you set the intention, you know, the right things magnetize to you. And so, yes, it's work. But at the same time, when I step one foot forward, then a door will open. And I'm met by someone who can help me get to that next step. And that's kind of how it's been going. Awesome. Uh, so why didn't you walk us through the show itself? I mean, it's uh, sure. right now at the time of the interviewing of the show, uh, of this episode, uh, we are here in early August, and this show is going to debut at the end of August, and yes. obviously people watch the show yeah. on Roku. Yes. Uh, tell a little bit about what is the show about. Certainly. So the show is about connecting across backgrounds and borders. Um, I've traveled internationally, as I mentioned, for over 20 years. And in that time, one of the major 
blessings that's come along with that has been connecting with people, making friends. And I mean, lifelong friendships with people who I met 20 years ago and I'm still friends with. And even if I don't talk to them every day, it may be six months or a year between the time we talk. But when we do, it's instantaneous, you know, reconnection. And that is the beauty of travel to me. Um, yes, it's great to go see the Eiffel Tower, but it's even better to go see the Eiffel Tower when you're with a friend that you met in Paris who takes you or someplace else, but who's in Paris and they're like, hey, let's go, you know, or let's go to this underground party or let's go to this really great restaurant or this really unknown place. And those are the things that make travel so special to me. So the show is all about me actually hanging out with my friends, bona fide friends in eight different cities around the world. They show, they take me and the camera to places that they enjoy, things that they want to see or that they enjoy showing off. We eat food that they enjoy and that they want people to know about. So it's not just a matter of me going to a place being the expert. It's me just being the catalyst and the connector and kind of saying, hey guys, this is what travel is all about, connection. So that's kind of what Fly Brother, the, 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 the main energy behind Fly Brother. Yeah, you mean it's all about it isn't about the sightseeing as much or uh, you know, just you make our uh, you know, like you mentioned those like friendships and the beautiful uh then now we're living in the area of social media that we can actually stay connected much easier because you mentioned yeah. you've been traveling for like twenty years. And I have too. I've been traveling for about 20 years. And back in the day, I write postcards to people and actually, I actually get physical addresses of people yes. because the connections were so, so strong. I wanted to keep in touch with people. And now it's just like, let me add you to Facebook. So, so much easier. Absolutely. In this day and age. Yes. And in fact, my old host sisters from the family that I stayed with when I lived in Sweden found me on Facebook last year after we had lost touch for 20 years. So the technology absolutely is what's been key in not only my travels and the, the television show and things that I'm doing, but in everyone else's travels. And again, demystifying travel to the point where people don't think that it's prohibitively expensive anymore. When people realize that, you know, those of us that are out here doing things, we aren't doing them from some invisible, you know, and, and, endless supply of money or whatever. It's like, we've just made it a priority in our lives. And that technology is what's allowing other people to make travel a priority in their lives as well. And that's, I feel like part of my mission. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you mentioned the money side of things and uh, you know what that is, um, why people don't travel because yes. of the time money factor. Our show is to inspire people and to show that most of our guests are not multimillionaires. Pretty much all of them are middle-class families or middle-class individuals, and they're prioritizing travel, and therefore they travel just as extensively. And you know, the other two hundred guests have been able to. Um, so, tell us about the money side of things for you. Sure. Uh, how are some of the different revenue streams coming in? Uh, for yourself in particular? Uh, well, so I'm a freelancer, which means that I do all kinds of different projects, you know, to fund my life, not just the other, the projects that I'm doing, but the ability to eat. Uh, so, you know, I'll do articles for magazines. Again, we're talking uh, building up a career here. So I'm not a novice. I've definitely put in a lot of time in terms of cultivating relationships with editors, with other writers, with people who are, you know, word of mouth, you know, and that's why, again, the technology is important because it allows you to stay in contact with people who can help you to fund 
your life, your projects, et cetera. So I do uh, freelance writing. Um, sometimes it's very glamorous. Sometimes it's very banal. So I may do a, you know, a post for a travel blog for 50 or $100. I may do a post on, you know, uh, I guess, frequent flyer miles, you know, th certain things that, yeah, they're maybe, they're travel related, but they aren't necessarily fun, you know, but they pay bills. So there's that. Uh, there's voice work that I do. There's, you know, other side gigs that may come up and are one-offs. Like I did the, um, uh, up, the update for the Brat Guide to Tajikistan, Brat being a boutique travel guide based in the UK. And so I went to Tajikistan and I updated that guidebook. So that's, you know, that's a project that pays. Uh, I upped, helped to do the research for National Geographic Traveler's Brazil guidebook. Um, and again, it's, you know, word of mouth and, and, and working your network and connecting with people on Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter and all these other things to have the work come to you. Uh, at one point I had to write resumes. And so I, you know, I, I, for, and I got paid like $30 a pop for that, you know? So there are those little things that you do to kind of fill in. And especially when you are working uh, as a freelancer, there's a lot of multiple income. There's, there's multiple income streams, you know, gone, I think are the days of being the international, the foreign correspondent for a newspaper. And that's your soul job. And I don't even know if back in those days that was their sole source of income. I kind of feel like people even still then had to teach English classes on the side, you know, to supplement their income. Uh, so there's that. And then with, again, with the television show, there's working with tourism bureaus and other organizations and, and institutions that help you offset costs. But other things that people may consider when they want to travel, I mean, there's teaching abroad, there's getting jobs in this travel sector you know you can work for a cruise line you can work for an airline where you get great flight benefits there's all kinds of ways to to have travel supplemented uh if money is a concern so you know those are the those are some of the things that i do on the back end in terms of financing myself and my travels but anybody can do any of this yeah, absolutely. And, um, you, you know, your whole multiple streams of uh, income approach is pretty much what I uh, hear as a common element to the digital nomads and world travelers we're interviewing on a show. Um, it isn't uh, ever just one income stream. I don't think I've, uh, I remember one episode where someone's saying, this is what I do and that's all I do. It's pretty much this is what I do and this is what I do and I have these little yes. pieces here and there. Even myself, I have like seven or eight different income streams. And it might sound like, wow, you have eight income streams, you're a multimillionaire. But no, it no. is like, like it's 100 here, it's 200 here, it's 500 here, 800 there. And all of a sudden, you get to like a few thousand a month. Yes, yes. Uh, imagine if you don't have this 200 here and there, it's not actually going to add up to a full-time income. So, uh, right. and, all, and you know, like you, you mentioned too, some months you might not have as much of the freelancing or Sorry. you might not have of the sponsored posts on your blog. So you definitely need that variety to keep yourself fed, like you said. <laughs> right, and the thing is too, what you're doing, you're creating this constellation that allows you the flexibility. And I think that's what those of us who do this kind of long-term travel and digital nomad lifestyles and that kind of thing, we want that flexibility, which means that we are willing to take jobs that are more like gigs versus you know the regular two week paycheck and all the benefits and all that kind of stuff. That's, it's not knocking that, it's just saying that when we do value or prioritize travel the way we do, 
then the cost of that is that we have to do a lot of personal administration. We have to do a lot of hustling for gigs. We have to do, you know, and, and that's okay. We accept it as the price of the ticket to use James Baldwin's phrase. Um, so yeah, man. Awesome. Uh, so uh, we've already talked about a lot of your current projects. You know, obviously you have the Fly Brother TV show that's coming up. Uh, curious about your vision for the future. Where do you want to see yourself in terms of geography, uh, cities or countries you want to live in or travel to, and about your life and business going forward? Wow. Okay. You asked a lot, Ricky. <laughs> but let me see if I can answer that. I, and Not I'm sorry. I'm sorry if my answers are a bit rambly. Uh, but, you know, I, I think of a lot of things at once, man. So... Uh, let's see if I can pull some things out of the air. So when it comes to uh, just professionally, I see myself, obviously, you know, I'm hoping the show is a success. Um, I feel like it's important. You know, visibility is important as a person of color, as a queer person, as somebody who is, you know, has been given all the blessings that I've been given, which is including you know, intelligence, including the ability to write and speak and the, the U.S. passport that I've got, which gives me the freedom to go to many places in the world without the hassle of a visa and all those things like those, they have to be used for the greater good. So this television show isn't about success, my success. It's about, again, empowering people and encouraging them to do the type of traveling, connect and just bring the world together. So hopefully I'll be doing other projects like that. I am right now um, developing a documentary that follows in the footsteps of Langston Hughes. He went to the Soviet Union in 1932. And I'm very interested in going to the places that he went to in 2018. Um, and that would include Moscow and, and, and St. Petersburg, but also it would include places in Central Asia. I've already mentioned Tajikistan, but there's also Uzbekistan and many of these other places that are centuries old, uh, sorry, uh, thousands of years old, millennia old. They're on the Silk Route and they've been accustomed throughout their history to seeing people from all over the world. But at the same time, they've been behind the Iron Curtain for a couple of hundred years or, or a hundred years. So it's just very interesting to go to those places and again, follow up as a person of color and as a writer. Um, I also write fiction and I have short, so I have a short story coming out soon in a, a literary magazine based in India. And I'd love to see some of those things, see my writing um, kind of go places and also possibly into film and television. You know, I believe sometimes your audience isn't the audience that you think. You know, you may want your audience to be one thing, in my case, an audience that's reading books, but the people that get the most out of my stories may be people who are watching television or watching film. So that just feels like a natural kind of progression as far as my career is concerned. So I'm not gonna stand in the way of it, but I don't know what that means until it, it shows up. Uh, and, I, and I think that kind of means that geographically, I probably will need to plant my flag in a place like New York. Um, not because, oh, I love New York. New York is great, but I lived in Sao Paulo and that was where I had my New York experience running the streets in my early thirties. Um, but New York is also a place where, you know, it's the capital of media in the United States. Um, it's a great foundation. It's a great base. I see it right behind you. Hey, sink, sink. And, um, you know, there's, I have friends there. The world is there. There's a lot to do and enjoy and experience. So it's not like it, I won't get a lot of the things that I enjoy in a city life in New York, but also I'm able to shut all that out and get my work done at this age <laughs> stage in my life. 
So New York will probably be my U.S. home base, but I would love to spend six months out of the year in Cape Town or in Stockholm or in many other places around the world. Uh, so yeah, I guess that's what's coming up. Awesome, exciting times for you. Uh, you know, I'm a big advocate of New York as well. What an amazing city with such vibrance, yeah. such energy, and so much going on. Yeah. And uh, a so phenomenal international airport as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> One of the busiest airports in the world. So definitely a great place to base yourself out of. Uh, yes. Yeah, so Ernest, I'm curious to know about uh, any tips or advice you would give to someone who's maybe an African-American, maybe who's an ethnic minority. We covered, you know, some of the world travelers who are from an African, uh, you know, uh, descent, African-American descent. Uh, for example, we mentioned uh, uh, Eric Prince, uh, and then we mentioned Kervin, um, uh, and then we have Craig Henry. We actually interviewed him as well. Nicole Brewster. Uh, we got awesome. Onika, Onika Raymond coming up. So, yeah, quite a few of them. But, yeah, I'd love for um, you to share any tips um, there might be someone who's watching who's from a minority and they just don't get it uh, because maybe the cultural uh, cultural uh, cultural influence, the mindset, the economics, etc. Uh, any tips or advice you would give to that person who's watching now besides besides the Nike just do it slogan? Yes, man. So basically, I come from a culture where often, again, international travel for many different valid reasons was seen as prohibitively expensive and as frivolous. You know, again, we're coming from a situation where we've been trying to to work and create wealth and, you know, have sustainable lives in sometimes turbulent and hostile environments. And so I understand that, you know, coming up, people, especially in my father's generation, always saw that as something that was just like, man, you need a job. Don't be worried about traveling. But I think now, finally, we are coming to realize that it's a part of becoming a whole person. Be experiencing life from a different perspective, and it, can't, it, it may not necessarily be that you're traveling every week. You know, it may not necessarily mean that you're able to travel tomorrow, but I think just the idea of looking at ourselves, especially African-Americans, because that is my specific ethnic group, you know, as for black Americans, we have to look at ourselves beyond our experiences here in the United States. We have to look at ourselves as citizens, as part of this world and as important, necessary people in this world. What we don't get until we travel abroad is the idea that we are seen, we are emulated, we are copied and we are, we are at times loved and hated as a group, you know, in many different places around the world. And we need to kind of know what that means. And it means going to places, it means being vulnerable, it means being permeable, it means taking off the armor that we've had to develop living in the places that we've been living. And, you know, yes, there are places where people won't like you because of the color of your skin. However, we still need to be in those places. We still need to show up and we need to let folks know that we're here. And I think, you know, that kind of moving forward through fear, not being fearless, because if you wait until you're fearless, you'll never move, you know, but moving forward through fear, that kind of reasonable recklessness, what's the worst that could happen? is what we have to employ in every aspect of our lives, and that includes international travel. Reasonable. <laughs> I've never heard that word before. I've never heard the phrase. Uh, reasonable recklessness. I, that's kind of when I talk to people about, again, moving forward through fear, 
I use reasonable recklessness because you're being reckless, but you're 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 not just jumping off without any kind of thought process, you know, ahead of time. You're like, what's the worst that could happen? Is it more of a risk for me to stay here in this job that I hate? For me to do things that appear to be, for, I'm doing this for my children. What are you doing for yourself? You know what I mean? Like, what are you doing to, to feel like a whole and complete person? Because that's only, only then will you be the better parent is when you are going after your dreams and your desires while making, you know, while doing that with, from your heart. You know, when you do that, then you can show up for the other people in your lives. But when you're doing things and you're unhappy, isn't that being doing a bigger misservice than taking off and taking the risk of, of making your life better? Oh man, you're speaking right to me, man. Uh, like I used to be a domesticated dad back in Vancouver, BC, Canada, and I, oh, left wow. all, yeah, I left it all behind with my wife and kids, and now we're traveling the world for the last eight months. And that is my story. I was living unfulfilled back in Vancouver because I was very much domesticated, suburbanized. I was serving my wife, serving my kids, but I wasn't serving myself and my desk for adventure, my uh, desire to travel. And we uh, were reasonably reckless to leave Absolutely. comfort, security, safety behind. To now we're here in Medellin, Colombia, and our kids are absolutely loving it. Yes. I, I feel thrilled. My wife and me, our relationship's better, and ultimately our kids are learning so much. So I'm glad you brought up the whole parenting thing because I could definitely echo those sentiments. Oh, man, and the other thing, too, is that a lot of people, you know, a lot of my listeners, they may have single, on my radio show and the television show, they may, have, they may be single parents. You know, they may feel like they're, they're alone. But there are people, there are single parents who have, who, who travel and who blog about it and they have podcasts and they talk about how they do it. They talk about, and I think Taraji Henson, she, you know, the actress, she wasn't, she's not in the travel sphere, but she talked about how she moved to LA with, I think a, a, a ridiculously low amount of money. And she had her child and she was like, you know what? I have to do this for our, for our, to have a better life for both of us. And so often people feel like I don't have that support or I've got a kid. You're, you need to live for yourself. Yes, it's important that you take care of your children, but if you take care of yourself first, everything else will follow. No one should be placed ahead of you to the detriment of yourself. No matter how noble it sounds, you don't do things for your kids, do things for you, and your kids will appreciate that. Yes, they will, they will. If we follow our dreams, so will they, so yes. Yeah, yeah great sentiments here, Ernest. Um, you're definitely just like, you know, the famous Ernest Hemingway with this, uh, <laughs> Rhyme and reason for the English language and for literally. Oh man, thank you, thank you, thank you, Ricky. Uh, so Ernest, uh, you know we could obviously have a five-hour podcast here, talking, talking, talk about yeah. travel, uh, but I know you got to go, and I know I need you too. So uh, to end off here, Ernest, uh, what is the different ways by by which people can contact you? You have the couple blogs, you have a panorama, you have the upcoming show. Yes. Through all these different things. Um, so you can email me always, Ernest, E-R-N-E-S-T, at flybrother.net. That's an easy way. You can follow me on uh, Facebook. <laughs> There's the two pages I have, Ernest White II, I-I, Landless Gentry. Uh, and there's also Fly Brother Fly on Facebook. The Fly Brother Facebook page is Fly Brother Fly. And then you, there's uh, Instagram and Twitter at Fly Brother. And also I've got a Twitter, Ernest White II. Um, and then my website's flybrother.net and ernestwhite2.com. <laughs> That's a lot, man. I just realized.
Yeah, that is a lot. And I'll actually have those links below. And I love the little play on words. You're not only a fly brother in the sense that you're cool and hip and happening, but you're a fly brother as in like you're flying around the world. Awesome. Love it. Ricky, man, I'm glad you did because some people don't get it. So I'm glad you do, man. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, yeah, so thanks once again, uh, Ernest. And I uh, definitely look forward to watching uh, the Fly Brother uh, show that's coming up. So all the best with the show and all of your different projects. And it was great connecting here on the podcast today. The pleasure was all mine, man. Thank you so much, Ricky. I really appreciate it. You're so welcome. And thank you to you as well who's watching. If you're watching this on YouTube or if you're listening to this on iTunes, thank you for your time yeah. today. Uh, you know, Ernest has definitely been inspiring to a lot of people around the world myself included, and uh, to you as well, I, I'm sure. So, uh, you know, make sure you check out uh, all of his different sites. Once again, it's Ern uh, Ernest White the, the second, number two, Ernest White two, and then also uh, make sure you check out uh, um, Fly Brother, make sure you check out Panorama, the Journal of Intelligent Travel, yes. and make sure you check out his upcoming show. I know it's gonna be an awesome one. I just saw the little trailer before the interview, and uh, yeah, it looks amazing, and I'll actually have the trailer link below as well. Uh, so thanks everyone for tuning into this episode of Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the videocast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. <laughs>